0: Welcome to the Cashflow Guys radio show with your hosts, Tyler Sheff and Leo Young. It's time to learn to earn. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast episode six. Today, we're going to be talking about team building, one of the most important aspects of real estate investing. See you here back in just a few minutes.
1: Hey, folks, this is Leo Young, Cashflow Guys podcast. As always, uh, my partner sitting next to me is Tyler Schiff. We're going to be talking a little bit about team building and all kinds of good stuff for you real estate investors and you investors of like kind. Uh, This is episode six, and we're broadcasting to you from Studio 2 down here in beautiful Seminole, Florida, Tyler, team building. It's uh, pretty important.
0: Absolutely. You know, team, (laughs) when I started in real estate investing, I didn't have a team. I didn't put a team in place, and things didn't, you know, I found myself working harder than when I had a real job.
1: Yeah, it, was, uh, it, it, it gets on you fast, doesn't it? Oh,
0: yeah, it does. <laughs> and, you know, the fact that I was trying to do everything myself, I didn't really have time. I didn't accomplish as much as I would like to have accomplished because I was afraid that, you know, having a team, well, first of all, I didn't even realize that that made sense at the time. I didn't think of myself as Mr. Big Time Investor, so I didn't really see the value in having a team.
1: Well, and... and- we, we all kind of make the same mistake. I don't want to say we all do, because I know folks that did not. They, they got started right away uh, you know, the right way, but I know I did it wrong. I thought putting a team together, that's going to be a lot more expensive. I didn't have a lot of money to throw around or any stuff like that. I was using the bank's money, and I thought, okay, if I have a CPA and an attorney and, and all these tradespeople and stuff like that, holy smokes, man, i got to do this myself, and um, you know that, that's the only way I could afford to do it big mistake i made
0: well yeah me too and i was my team building was reactionary it was like yeah i didn't call a plumber i didn't make put a plumber in my team until i needed one and then it was usually eight o'clock at night and i found out how much they charged late at night yeah i didn't have them come by and take a look at things to understand you know Well, you might want to budget for a new hot water heater in Unit
1: 3. Right.
0: I wasn't thinking about those things, so I kind of had the school of hard knocks.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and one of the things that we don't have a lot of down here in this area is what's called Orangeburg Pipe. Have you ever heard of Orangeburg Pipe? No, I haven't. It's why I'd never heard of it. I was in North Florida investing up there in a lot of college rentals. Orangeburg Pipe is a compressed paper. Is what it is. It's a it's a septic pipe. Septic meaning it's sewage. It takes right, the sewage right. out to the street, but instead of being the like the clay pipe, it's compressed like tar paper. And when I had the first few homes inspected, yeah, pipe's fine. You know, toilets flush, off it goes, or whatever. The Orangeburg pipe. What happens is it's porous, and the trees start growing through it. And awesome. They, and they collapse the pipe. Oh my gosh! And it's just nasty and expensive and just horrible. So. I thought, okay, fine. I'll you know I'll buy these houses. This is great. The plumbing works. We're good. But I never had the plumbing f- tr- scoped and inspected.
0: Yeah, that's critical. When I bought the first apartment buildings up in Memphis, I had the septic systems or the, not the septic system, but the sewer system scoped and yeah. sure as heck on both buildings, yep. both septic pipes were were uh, crowded with weeds and uh, or not weeds, but tre- uh, tree roots and all that. Yeah. And one of them had a break. So. That was interesting.
1: Yeah, but put them in line. Don't call them when you need them. Call them before you need them. <laughs> exactly. A lot smarter. And we, we've made those mistakes, folks. And that's the one thing we're going to talk a, a little bit today. This episode is going to run a little bit longer than maybe uh, than, than maybe you think, but it is critically important that you listen to this episode all the way through because this team-building thing will save you a lot of time, headache, and more than anything else, money. We spent a lot of money on um, fixing things that we should have done in the beginning.
0: I'm pretty sure that I could have I could have graduated from Harvard and spent less money than I have oh, yeah. on my mistakes.
1: Oh, unbelievably. But uh, I made the mistake. You made the mistake. A lot of the listeners that are getting into uh, real estate and real estate investing for the first time, hopefully they won't make that mistake. The thing that we really were thinking about is is the dollars, the money, the outlay at first. And that's the thing where you think, okay, I'm going to spend a exorbitant amount of money to put this team together and all this kind of stuff, and I don't have that kind of money right now. Well, then maybe the timing isn't necessarily right for you or, or something like that because we're going to talk a little bit about working hard versus working smart now everybody thinks work hard work smart of course i want to work smart but let's put that in the context of team building
0: well yeah let's back up a little bit you talked about cost you know building a team doesn't necessarily generate cost you know the hardest part about building a team or the most time-consuming part of it is the interview process and and asking lots of questions being a pig a professional information gatherer PIG. absolutely and learning from them and in most cases those aren't going to co- those things aren't going to cost you a fortune you know how much does it cost to make a phone call right. for a few minutes maybe an hour who knows
1: or if it does cost you it's a visit it's f- well, absolutely. 50 bucks absolutely absolutely know, that 50 bucks can go a long way later on down the road i wish my sample, I wish I knew what Orangeburg pipe was. I wish I had my plumber guy go out there and scope the pipe, and he'll tell me, No, 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 you're gonna have to budget for this. And they would have cost me literally, it would have cost me 50 or 100 dollars to have the pipe scoped and have his opinion on that. I never knew until they blew up, and they all blew up about the same time.
0: Of course, they did.
1: Of course, they did. You know,
0: even attorneys and they have they give free 15 minute consultation. I mean, you can learn a lot. Just by taking advantage of those free consultations, that's why they're there. And, you know, when you're working with a lot of these professionals, it comes down to can you get along with them? Can you establish a relationship? It's not all just about what they know or what you need to know or how much it's going to cost. It's also about do our personalities gel?
1: Huge, huge. And do they have experience in what I'm doing? There's a lot of attorneys out there, and there's a lot of CPAs and folks like that out there. And and this comes as, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about our resumes, a little bit in episode one, and I was a professional baseball scout for many years. I was in athletics for a long time, and and that's the big thing. It's not just the talent. It's the right talent. Absolutely. You watch across athletics and those teams that are those dynasty teams, they're not picking the best players. They're picking the right ones for their scheme and what they're doing and their identity in order for them to win, so to your point, exactly right, pick an attorney that you can work with the most expensive isn't necessarily the right guy
0: exactly that's exactly <laughs> right
1: you know um, now sometimes that does work out that way, but the point is you got you're going you're gonna to develop a long standing and long lasting relationship hopefully with these folks, and so you, you know you got to be able to work with them, get along with them
0: well I could tell you flat out you know we're talking about working smart versus working hard. My, my attorneys don't cost me anything. I, I don't look at it that way. And neither does my tax preparer, my CPA, the CFO, none of those people. They don't really cost me anything. It's, I think what I focus on is what they save me. Oh. You know, its it's like having a good mechanic that when they're changing oil, they say, hey, by the way, you know, something's leaking over here. Yeah. Preventing you from having a major breakdown down the road or, hey, I found a nail in your tire. You might want to take care of that now before we have to call a tow truck.
1: Right, that forward thinking. Absolutely. Yeah, ends Absolutely. up saving us a lot of money. So working hard versus working smart, that's going to take us a little bit, uh, extend this a little bit further into some concepts that uh, I want you folks to really kind of think about and let this kind of melt in. Now, again, I'll go back to Episode 1 where our resumes are. I was an educator for years as well. My degree is in education. and. Uh, and I, it's kind of interesting that our relationship has developed, you know, over the years. We read a lot of the same books, and he reads uh, some of the educational formatted kind of books that are a little bit in my realm, which when he starts going on about the cone of learning and this, that, and the other. It's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> That's the stuff I studied in school. You know, you're, you're kind of stealing my thunder a little bit. But uh, we, we talk a little bit uh, more about what it really means to work smart. Now, everybody says they want to work smart, right?
0: Well, absolutely.
1: But – What does it mean to work smart? Sounds great. Sounds great. So what we're going to do, folks, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to really dive into the weeds a little bit, and you're going to learn what working smart really means when it gets right down to it. So stay tuned. We're the Cashflow Guys. Future Home Realty is a proud sponsor of the Cash Flow Guys podcast. Our philosophy is to provide our agents with the best education in the industry matched with an aggressive compensation plan that makes sense for you. Future Home agents make more because they keep more a lot more. If you are a licensed agent and you're trapped by a compensation plan that is not in your favor, give us a call at 727-417-9696. That's 727-417-9696. Today is the day to take control of your career and your checkbook.
0: All right, welcome back. Episode six of Cashflow Guys. We're talking about team building. You know, speaking of teams, Leo, which one, talk about work smarter, work harder between the two. Which one's cheaper?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Everybody, everybody that gets started says the same thing. Oh, well, you got to work hard. I mean, if I'm going to invest in real estate, let's, let's take the first time investor like you did, like I did. Single family home, three bed, two bath. I don't have a whole lot of money. right? I know I want to get into investing. That's my vehicle, so I got to do the work. I got to work hard. Now I'm going to work work smart when I have the money, right? That's that's the that's the mindset. That's the trap that you fall into.
0: As soon as I get done painting the living room, the ceiling, and redoing the air conditioning, then I'll. I swear to God, I'll work smart next time.
1: Right. I and then uh, house three, house four. Well, I just got to get through
0: this first deal.
1: (laughs) Right. Just got to get through this first deal. That see, that's working, working hard, working smart. You got to think like like an investor. So the Robert Kiyosaki's of the world and the Donald Trump's and guys like that, they don't have paintbrushes in their hand, do they?
0: No, they don't. No. <laughs> and I remember on my first fourplex, I i had, gone to, well, quasi-contractors show up. I had a great handyman. He was awesome. But I, I was thinking to myself, you know, hes I'm watching him paint and writing him the check. And I was over doing different things. And, and every time I found something that I was doing that I hated, I was like, hey, Mike, can you take care of this too? And, you know... He charges a fair wage, and I, from I went through this this phase of, well, if I just have do it myself, I could save that two right, grand or whatever right, it is. And right, it's like, But at the end of the day, I, it it freed me up to go out and look for other opportunities. And you know, you can't get rich on the on one investment property. You need to get several. So uh, what I would do is I I put on my iPod, my headphones, and I was doing things that I enjoyed doing while I was learning listening to podcasts, you know, real estate guys and cashflow diary and some of the other podcasts that I enjoy listening to. So I made more beneficial use of my time. You know, I was doing things like cleaning up and just the minutiae just to occupy my time while I was learning. And then I would do things like get on the phone and start working, sourcing new leads and, you know, getting more things going as far as the, the administrative part of it and letting him and the rest of the guys do the work.
1: And see that's a great point if you're going to be an investor, you have to think like an investor well, absolutely. An investor doesn't think like a contractor exactly now they they have experience in contact they they know what they're doing in that realm, but they're uh, an investor is. Finding the next deal. Yep. Get it. Lock it down. Knock it down. Get it moved. Go on to the next deal. Not crank up the lawnmower. Not hang sheetrock. Not do lining. That is. And, and I did it. I, I'm a culprit. I uh, made the mistake. Yeah. I, I I did. I I swear. Like like what you just talked about. I, once I get the money, I'll hire. I'll hire it out. I'll hire it out. I'll hire it out. And it just gets into this trap. That you never escape. You you never escape. So working hard versus working smart, what we're going to do, folks, is we're going to take you into the work smart and really put this into some perspective that's going to make sense. And and what I'm going to say is this. We're going to prove it to you. We're going to put the pudding down for you. We're going to prove it to you what this work smart thing is about. Unconscious incompetence we're going to start with that there's four parts of learning and i uh, tyler i want you to to really drive this ship here a little bit and i'll throw in some comments here and there w- when i can but why do we want to work smart the big thing is it's cheaper up front than it is in the long run but we're going to start with the seven levels of learning the first one being unconscious how about four levels Seven levels? That's, that's seven? the seven habits of that's highly That's the seven effective habits of highly effective. you got a little Stephen Covey <laughs> going on in
0: your brain there, but that's okay.
1: Let's back up. We're not even going to cut that. We're going to leave that little blooper make, in. I'm going to
0: make up the last three. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, there's four levels of learning, and this is what I learned from my mentor. Is uh, The first one being unconscious incompetence. And it's simply put, it's you don't know what you don't know. You know, you you get involved in real estate investing and you're like, where do I begin? I don't know whether I want to buy a house, a condo, an apartment building. Where am I going to get the money? How am I going to fix it? Who's going to manage it? What color is it going to be? That's pure unconscious incompetence. And that's where everybody begins. And, you know, some people stay there longer than others. And I was one of those people most definitely. But, you know, you don't know what you don't know. But the only way you move past that level is to get out there Start reading, coming to real estate investment groups in your area. Go on meetup.com, find some RIA meetings, uh, real estate investor meetings. Uh, Come into the cash flow game. I know we talk about it over and over again, and uh, that's part of the reason why we're doing this podcast. Part of our educational series is coming to the cash flow game, breaking through that unconscious incompetence, getting yourself to conscious incompetence, which is the second level, actually getting out there and discovering what you don't know.
1: So the unconscious incompetence, you don't know anything. Absolutely. I don't, don't know what I don't know. We start that learning process, and then we get to the second level, which is conscious incompetence. That's knowing what you know.
0: Yeah, a good example that is I have no idea to figure out how to to figure a cap rate, for example. I don't even know what a cap rate is. Know it's important. Yeah, you know it's important. You know you you need it. You hear people talking about it, this cap rate. What's a cap rate? Well, figuring those things out. ROI. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. and being able to do the math on that or buy the software that will do the math for you. Mm -hmm. You know, things like, do I need a contractor or don't I need a contractor? Do I even need to do repairs? And again, that's That's the cash flow game puts us there is because you're actually... Taking steps and this makes the mind start to think because you're counting out those dollar bills, yep, or hundred dollar bills, depending on how how well you're playing, and uh, getting starting to think about these things. It inspires that thought, which is is critical. And once you have reached conscious incompetence, you can start to put a plan together, a path, you know, a, pl- a path to becoming, get, you know, getting to where you need to be.
1: Right so you're you're building this whole level of competency you're starting unconscious incompetence have no I, I don't know what I don't know no, I know this is I know I got to do something I know I got to do something and we're going to move to conscious incompetence know what you know
0: conscious competence conscious yeah.
1: competence I'm sorry know what you know so you're finding that information the definitions you're getting more familiar with it which is going to lead you then
0: well conscious incompetence really takes us all the way back to investor identity and that's one of the the, the the pillars, the beginning stages—that wh- who am I? What do I plan on doing, and why am I doing it? You, you know, you start to discover that during the conscious and competence phase. Right. Well, I realize I don't know if I should buy an apartment building or if I should buy a mobile home. Right. And then you start taking the steps down the road to let's learn a little bit about mobile homes and how th- the pros and cons of that versus buying a house or a duplex or apartment building or whatever you wind up doing. Taking these forward steps. Now, everybody wants. The super secret sauce that you know that it can't be that hard. If I just take this guru course, right, I'll make a million dollars because once I
1: that's what he said, so oh,
0: yeah, (laughs) because if I just give them a 10,000 and then the next course at $28,000, I'll have all the answers I need and you know, I'll shorten the learning curve. It is true, you will shorten the learning curve by immersing yourself in education and the training, but unfortunately, as Americans, especially with technology, we're Mm We're, we we look at we're looking for the quick fix. You know, I can I can. There's got to be a faster way. There's a secret way to word things to get the seller down on price by fifty grand, and you know, or I can flip this house. I can. There's deals everywhere because you know, up and down my street, there's all these broken down houses, and I'm just gonna flip a couple of those, and right. I'll get rich, and I can quit my job. And you know, in some cases, I know people that actually have quit their job and then started to learn. Kind of scary. But you gotta,
1: gotta rely on luck a little bit there well the, yeah <laughs> and i went to
0: a seminar i like to go to the the initial the one day yeah the free things that yeah. they do and they always have them in a nice hotel and you go and have a free lunch and i go there to basically network with people but um I, i'm always curious i like to get that one thing that one takeaway from the free part right before they do the run to the back of the room and i usually do learn something at each one of them yeah um I, however getting out there Working, talking with people and and finding out what their struggle is. You want to figure out your investor identity or try to determine your conscious incompetence. You know what you don't know. Come away from one of those little one-day things. Do yourself a favor. Leave your credit cards and your checkbook at home Mm -hmm. because you will probably get talked into something or at least get on their email list. But again, these little tidbits of information get you closer to conscious competence. Knowing what you know but you have to think about it.
1: Okay, now we're going to do that one more time. Conscious competence. You're aware of your competency, knowing what you know, but you got to think about it. You got to kind of drive it home.
0: Correct. It's like that fear and it, it to some degree it ties to fear. It's when that fear doesn't affect you as much anymore, you know? Yeah. You're not you don't you no longer have fear of the unknown. It it replaces itself to fear of the known. Well, I walk into this apartment building, and I know I shouldn't buy anything in this neighborhood because this neighborhood does not perform well. I know where I should be. Right. I just have to try to remember where that is. Right. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, and actually to that point that it can be a little dangerous. This is the danger point of learning where um, a little bit of knowledge – and a little bit of competence, it can be a little bit dangerous and we see it in investors all the time that conscious competence where they go in and they know the words and they know kind of how to apply everything but they're not finished with that learning process yet Absolutely. and they'll talk the good game and stuff like that but when tyler and i will sit down and really kind of dive into the weeds of a deal they, don't re- they know how to calculate roi but they don't really know what it means and how to really truly get down into it and really apply that information
0: well, you know, the first thing I tell people when they're starting out is don't be in a rush. Yeah. You know, when you're yeah. working with sellers, the sellers want to get it over with. They want to move on. They want to get to the next thing. Or, you know, if you are the seller, the buyer's in a in a big rush. They want to start making that cash flow. Take a minute. Take a breather. comes back to team building, which we'll talk about later in the episode. Getting the right team in place. Being the dumbest guy in the room or the dumbest girl in the room. Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. That's truly how we've we earned our success finding the right people to join our team. And like we said earlier, it doesn't necessarily mean we wrote checks to all these people. We do when we need them, when we put them in, put them to work, then right. absolutely we got no problem paying them, but it shortens that learning curve, that team shortens the learning curve and gets you closer to conscious competence. I learned so much from each and every one of my team members. I was just shooting over an email right before we started this podcast to my property managers uh, at, the, at my out-of-state properties. They're looking at we're doing some stabilization and some renovations and whatnot. And, you know, looking at cost, I see on the invoice that they charge 10% to oversee the rehab team, which is like what a general contractor charges. And I'm okay with that because they've been using the same contractors over and over and over again for years. Okay. And that 10%, I couldn't fly up there myself and get a hotel room and do it any cheaper, I can tell you that. No. And frankly... I don't know what their works is. They're working on electrical. And you know, it's not something I know enough to be dangerous and probably burn something down. But, right. you know, I have a great electrician here on my team locally who I rely on, Peter Lontakis, Lontakis Electric. Pete and I have been friends for years. And when I have something comes up with electrical and I'm a little unclear, especially with my out-of-state properties, I can call Pete because I've given Pete a lot of business. I can pick up the phone and say, hey, Pete, here's what the electrician in Tennessee is telling me. What do you think? And he'll give me that feedback.
1: There's that redundancy in that team where you got, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. not. D-
0: does he send me a bill? Of course not. He gives me that advice. But at the same time, I reciprocate mm-hmm. by giving him clients just like I did. I give him a little shameless plug on the, on the podcast here is that if you do need an outstanding electrician in the Pinellas County, Pasco County area, Lontakis Electric, ethical, honest people – are they the cheapest game in town? Absolutely not. But when it comes to, is my house going to burn down or is my kid going to get electrocuted? Yeah. You know, I'm okay with yeah. <laughs> paying a little extra. Yeah.
1: How many times do you want to do it? Well, you, you get what you pay for, and <laughs> I've, I, I've
0: paid for bad electricians more than once, let me tell you. Yeah, uh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, folks, what we're going to do is take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to take it a little bit further into the unconscious competence level. We're going to tie this all up as to what this really means for you and how you can put a team together. That is second to none. Stay tuned with the Cash Flow Guys. Lawn Tacos Electrical Service is a Cash Flow Guys preferred provider for all things electrical. In business since 1983, Lawn
0: Tacos Electric is a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor serving the Tampa Bay area. The company has extensive experience in both residential and commercial electrical service. A professional electrical contractor is a critical member to any investor's team. Don't take chances with the lowest bidder. Hiring a licensed professional saves you time and money. Don't let your cash flow go up in smoke. Instead of calling the fire department, call Lawn Tacos Electric at 727-938-8895.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to the Cashflow Guys podcast. I'm Leo Young, and my partner, as always, is Tyler Chef. Tyler, when we left off with the break, we were talking a little bit about some educational practices on really driving this why-to-work-smart kind of thing home. Unconscious competence, the last step.
0: Unconscious competence, knowing what you know without having to think about it.
1: Just knowing what you boom, you got it right you there. You got it. Yeah. it. Just,
0: for example, you know, I work a certain neighborhood with retail real estate, uh, a certain area. Mm-hmm. Um I know that in this neighborhood the houses sell anywhere between 35,000 up to 80,000 if they're for sale by owner and still sitting there. But um I I could pick out instantly what the good rental rentals are going to be. It's knowing what, you know, knowing what you know. I know that certain streets are going to yield a better rental than others. I know where the flood zones are. And I know that, you know, I can apply the 1.5 rule there. I know that I got to get a property for $50,000 or less based on a 750 rent for it to cash flow. And how I do that okay. is that 1.5 rule that we talk about a lot is the knowing the area, knowing the community, I know that conservatively most houses in there, two bedroom, one bath at the garage, will rent for about 750 a month. Okay. So based on that, I take that 750 a month rent and I divide it by 1.5% and when you do those calculations 750 divided by 1.5% that gives me a figure which in this case is $50,000 tells me my maximum acquisition cost includes all my rehab my repairs the price to pay for the house all that I know that I need to be in the house no more than $50,000 for it to be a viable rental and that's what we teach to our students right is having those those that quick math and Understanding the, the neighborhood and the local market where you work, and everybody knows if somebody sends them a deal that's eighty thousand dollars for a two one in that neighborhood, they realize that they're not. It's not going to work for them.
1: Right, because it's just based off some information that's compiled over the years through education and experience, where you don't have to think about it. Absolutely. What 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 is a rent for a month? One point divided by one f- point five percent. That will yield the maximum you can pay for that house to get into it, including all the fees. Now, yep. that's it's pretty easy, pretty straightforward. For me, I look at it a little bit of a uh, from a different perspective. Now, I use that rule exclusively just like you do. If I'm walking through a house, my level of unconscious competence comes from insurance and financial services. The first few things that I'm going to do, I'm going to look for the four points. The four points. If a home is built prior to 2000, uh, basically it's going to have to have a four-point inspection. 2000 to 2002 is when those new building codes went in and really retrograded a lot of the new construction stuff. But prior to that, they can have to have a four-point. So knob and tube wiring, looking at piggybacks on the... on the electrical system, um, actually going underneath and, and pulling back and inspecting the, the, the supply plumbing and things like that, looking for polybutylene, roof curling and things like that. I've done it long enough, and I've done enough research and had enough educational um, programs with how to find all this stuff. I know that, okay, that roof right there, that does not have five years left we're going to have to have a roof on that one. Or um, looking at, the, uh, now it's got poly, poly feeds, we're going to have to fix this, up-plumb the roof and all that kind of stuff. Or there's an aluminum uh, piggybacks on the uh, uh, on the electrical and that kind of stuff. We, we know through coursework and through a lot of research and education that these are some things that are going to have to be addressed. So unconsciously, I know exactly what I'm looking for when I'm rolling through the house. And
0: well, more importantly, what you're not looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly, what, what we're not looking for. And th- now to kind of sum this up, folks, what we we're talking about is why work smart, what, what we're, t- we're really driving into the work smart idea. We talked about four levels of uh, learning, unconscious incompetence, that's knowing or not knowing what you don't know.
0: Absolutely, don't know what you don't know.
1: Then that level, once you start down that process, then you're going to go into a conscious incompetence. You know what you know, but you're, you're not deep into it yet.
0: Well, you know what you don't know, really, is what it comes down to, yeah.
1: Right. Moving further, and again, you're doing research, you're coming to cash flow games, you're getting better at it. Conscious competence. This is the danger zone. This is that, uh, that adage that um, folks would say a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. That's when you know what you know, but you have to think about it.
0: Yep, Absolutely.
1: Finally, you'll get, with experience and further education, unconscious competence. That's when you know it. Absolutely. It, it is literally kind of the back of your hand thing. You can walk in and say yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, and you, d- you don't really have to explain anything. All of that is done in the background of your mind. You've got it. You've got it lock, locked up. Now, we're telling you this, folks, to, to drive home this whole idea of working smart, and this kind of brings us a little bit to the next step. Who has... When we're talking about team building. Absolutely. Who has, who's Who's who has, got unconscious competence? Who's got it on the team? Well, you know,
0: and I don't think you're going to find any practitioner on your team that's going to have unequivocally on any level complete and utter unconscious incompetence. However, to what degree? And we talk about attorneys and CPAs. You know, the CPAs, don't, they don't know every single aspect of tax code, but they do specialize in certain fields. So in the, in the event of talking about a CPA or a tax provider, find somebody that has a focus or a concentration in real estate. More importantly, find somebody who owns investment real estate because you know they've taken stock in that particular bit of information, how it relates to the tax code, and they're going to be an expert. They're going to have the unconscious competence in that particular field
1: both educationally and in practice. They have their own or they've done it before. Absolutely.
0: They practice what they preach.
1: Exactly. So the, the two big ones for me, attorney CPA.
0: Absolutely. Don't hire a probate attorney to close a real estate transaction or ask them real estate-related questions. If you do, they may be able to research the answer. I'm not saying that. However, you're going to pay for that research. Think about that for a minute. You know, you go to a, a real estate attorney who deals with real estate situations on a daily basis. So for them, you know, they build by the hour. Uh, they can, they know that information off the back of their hand, and you ask them a question, you're going to get an immediate answer, not I'll get back to you. When you get right. an I'll get back to you, that should tell you, well, maybe I should have used an attorney that specialized in the subject matter of my question Right. because now I'm going to pay this attorney to go research. And granted, that's how they learn. There's nothing wrong with that. But the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to pay for them to research that, or are you going to tailor your questions to an attorney that specializes in that field? A good example of that is we do a lot of real estate transactions, but we also do syndications as well, where we bring several investors together. Mm -hmm. We form entities, LLCs and uh, S corporations and C corporations and things like that. Now, our legal team involves more than one practice. Yes. You know, we have a a local real estate attorney that we work with uh, that helps us with local transactions. He's familiar with and an expert in Florida law, and namely Pinellas-Pasco County is where we tend to practice real estate and hold some of our investments. That's his function. That's what he's good at. But we also have a real estate attorney up in Memphis. He's familiar with Tennessee law and how it relates to real estate. He also handles closings up there to some degree. So he's very knowledgeable in that. In the same respect, our title company here in Florida, Insured Title, Kevin Overstreet, is an incredible resource when it comes to the title information that we need. And it saves us having to pick up the phone and call an attorney and generate that bill. Right Now, on the other side, on the syndication side, our syndication attorneys are, I'm sure they're prepared to answer real estate questions, but they don't have that unconscious competence on the subject matter. They're some of the best syndication attorneys in the country. They're amazing at what they do, and they don't even have to think about the answers to the questions. They've written books on the subject, right? right? Yep. So they can. we spend an hour with them, and we get an hour's worth of quality answers to the questions that we need. But within that same firm, if we want to talk about trusts or uh, uh, asset protection and things like that. I know that Kevin is one of our attorneys. That's that's his niche. That's where he goes. Uh, Matt Sorensen, he talks, he's an expert in self-directed IRAs and 401ks and things like that. Alternative investing, IRS code. Uh, Mark is uh, an expert in both tax and real estate and entity. He, he oversees the firm. But he's got certain subject matters that he is truly an expert in, and I'll tailor certain questions to him, creative acquisition structures and things like that. Sure. So, And they all have different hourly rates, but tailoring the information you need to the expert that's on your team. Keeping in mind, plumber. I know that a plumber in Florida has different skill sets than a plumber in Tennessee, because it's a different type of plumbing system. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Different type of pipe, different pressures. Yep. Working with the local utility companies, critical for either plumber or an electrician. hmm For example, getting utilities turned on in Memphis sometimes can be a challenge. There's natural gas that you have to be thinking about up, up north, and down here, we don't have that as much. It's not as prevalent. So, right. you know, up there, a plumber... May handle also your natural gas, but down here that's not as, as common. Right. So you may have to find a specialist in that field. And you've got to drill down and put these people on your team so you can get these answers when you need them and you're going to save yourself a bunch of money.
1: Right. And it's virtually impossible for we, the investor, to have that level of competency in those fields. Well, absolutely. <laughs> you mean, know, it's just ridiculous to even think that.
0: Yeah, if my, if my brain would explode if I had to know all that. I mean, oh, I,
1: my goodness. The other thing is the CPA. That's the, the, the two guys that really, or the two fields that really got me um, really thinking about this is the, are the CPAs and the attorneys. If I would have done that at the beginning, I would have saved a buckets of money because I paid my CPA a lot of money to get me out of the messes that I put myself in because I thought well I'll just, you know, hire him at the end when I need him. I was still doing my own taxes and things like that. So, working hard versus working hard versus working smart, certainly for us if you're building a team, the attorney with that unconscious competence and that CPA both having experience and both having that unconscious competence, Would you not agree? Hyper, hyper critical.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and another good example of that, now our company has grown to the point to where we need a CFO. And the CFO kind of handles the day-to-day financial aspects of our different, we have several different companies, Leo and I do, between us. Leo's got his insurance agency. We've got cash flow guys. We've got uh, asset protection trusts in place. We've got educational materials. We have all these different assets of our different companies. You know, and for us, it became cumbersome to try to manage all of that. We put a plug to CFO into the mix. Here's a great example. I went to the car dealership this morning because it was my my CPA said, "Tyler, you better go lease a vehicle in the company named, so you can take advantage of those tax the, the uh, tax advantages this year." And I said, "That's great." Well, talking to my CFO, my you know, I called my CFO. I said, "What? How's that equate?" And he says, "No problem. What dealership are you going to? Who are you talking to? In the finance department?" So I pick up the phone, I call him, and uh, he calls the dealership, sends over the financials for the company, and I'm walking away with a new truck because I was able to buy in the company name. I didn't have to fill out the credit app. I was in and out of the dealership in 30 minutes with right. a new car. Right. That's, that's good stuff. Yeah, I, that, yeah. that really that allowed me to be able to be down here today to, to uh, record this podcast. So He also, while he's on the phone, this is another beauty of a CFO, he was able to negotiate the lease terms. He understands automobile leasing more than I do. Yep. He's an expert in the field. You know, all things financial, that's that's his thing. That's what he does. Absolutely. Yeah. Like how I rely on you for the financial aspects of real estate and the different insurance programs that, that you have available on your side on Cavio Financial. Uh, huge, huge benefit.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, and it's it, it, people think, and I thought this. I, I thought this at the beginning, too. It's too expensive. Hire by the hour.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But if it's 50 bucks, <laughs> it's going to save you money in the long run. Pay the money. Um, it's not really that big a deal.
0: You know, another good example I just wanted to bring up that that kind of just organically happened, and one of the reasons why you and I got together and teamed up and started this company in the first place is, it, with our retail real estate and working with our investor partners, when we were dealing with a, a seller, the investor that's selling uh, three rental properties and we're doing the sales transaction for him, he, one of his concerns was he wanted, he felt he wanted to get a bigger return from his sale. Yeah. However, the market doesn't dictate that he's going to be able to receive that on the proceeds of the sale organically. In other words, he's the, the property just won't yield a higher price than right. the, the properties that he's right. selling so we started talking about offering terms making it more advantageous for someone to buy creating more getting more buyer traffic in the door by offering seller financing and one of his things was he's like well I need a 15% return if I'm going to loan money I said well realistically you're not going to get that you know you're not going to get a long-term hard money loan that's usury and there's laws in place for that right however when i plugged you into the equation mm-hmm. leo and and you use the financial services and the ibanking concepts that you plug into that he can make a return by holding financing on the house. He can also earn an additional return on the down payments that he receives and a return on the payments that he receives from the loan. Correct. So, quickly, how that works is: guy has he gives the owner financing, and let's say that generates a thousand dollars a month in payments. Those payments include mm-hmm. six, seven, eight percent, whatever it winds up being, interest. Mm-hmm. Over a long term, that thousand dollars goes into his checkbook normally he would spend that money Mm -hmm. so when we ask the question what are you going to do with this money well i need it for retirement how old are you i'm in my 40s okay so that thousand dollar monthly payment goes into another account Mm -hmm. the investment account that you set up for him to also grow that so he gets growth coming in on the first pot of money the thousand coming in and interest right and interest and then he takes that thousand and puts it in another account so that uh, that account grows and i think you figured out it was what it winds up with a million dollars by the time he retires
1: just about yeah just about of course you can't predict uh, the future but looking at uh, how the money can can move taking into consideration what i can do on the back end and what he's getting on the front end it's 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 meeting his needs and then some absolutely yeah, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do us right now for episode six of the Cash Flow Guys. We hope you enjoyed the show on team building, and we look forward to uh, you listening in on episode seven. That's Tyler Chef over there. I'm Leo Young, and we're the Cash Flow Guys.